Hello, this is Gigs Unleashed, episode 32. Hello, welcome to Gigs Unleashed, episode 32. I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. Each week we cover the news of the week and we pick a couple of things to review that caught our fancy in TV, comics, movies and games. This week's reviews are WandaVision on Disney Plus and a selection of Future State comics that came out this week from DC Comics. And spoiler warning, this is a review show. So if you have not had a chance to watch WandaVision or read any of the DC Future State books, you might want to pause this and come back later. And then at the very end, we'll give you a couple of recommendations of our own. Thanks very much. You won't know this, but that took about five attempts to record that intro. <laughs> <laughs> we're working uh, on it. We're working on yeah. it. We're, we're getting there. It's, we're getting back in the swing of things. It's only yeah, our no, second no, episode no. back. So. Second, second, second proper episode back. Yeah. Um, we're we reverting the- back to like when we first started where it's like, oh, crap, we got to take a few, a few episodes to get back into the swing of things. <laughs> I did think that last week, actually. I did think, oh, crap, we... Uh, um, felt like rusty so well last week i think we were just excited to kind of like get started again so last week everything was like super long-winded because that one was a like two hour 15 minute episode <laughs> oh yeah um we promised but... to be a little more brief this time <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we're not gonna spend anywhere near uh don't worry you won't be with us for two hours we're trying, or two, <laughs> or it, was all, it was getting on for two and a half hours um yeah it's been a super long uh week so um there's a lot that happened this week and lo- there's loads of news to be honest but as we always start with the news of the week not all the news of the week we just pick uh, a couple of things that jumped out at us yeah and so. one of the first things was one of my favorite franchises ever, Mortal Kombat. Um, they have released the first first look images of the new film that's coming out. So we've got images of Sub-Zero, Liu Kang, Scorpion, Kung Lao, Kano, Jax, Sonya, and the brand new character played by Louis Tan, uh, Cole Young. So I'm super stoked. I always tell people that Mortal Kombat, the first film, is the most perfect video game adaptation ever <laughs> so i am completely completely biased <laughs> as far as mortal kombat goes now of course annihilation was terrible i don't recommend that movie to anyone um but i have to say i am definitely looking forward to this mortal kombat reboot these images look pretty cool um not too many of the characters in their iconic costumes yet um but this is going to be one of those films that WB says that they are releasing to HBO Max first before it hits theaters or the same time that it hits theaters. So uh, this is going to be something I am super, super excited about for later this year. So the first look images are pretty cool, I have to say. I, I Jax is not really a character that uh, I was too familiar with because they don't introduce him until the second film. Um, but McHad Brooks, as, or McHad Brooks as Jax, he looks super jacked in this uh in this role with his metal arm so take a look at those i think uh it was entertainment weekly those images came out so and of course scorpion is my favorite villain so i'm super excited i'm just i'm really excited about mortal kombat so i can't wait 
I don't really feel the excitement because I'm not as into it as you are. Um, <laughs> I did say to you, I think last week that I've never, um, I've never seen a single. I know. I'm trying film. to get you to watch it. No, I, I was thinking like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll watch them if we're gonna. We could do a review on on them, or maybe an episode on on. I don't know, but I was thinking about it. How good would it be to follow up our King of Christmas movie with, say, a King of Christmas uh, best adaptions or something like that, Ga- oh, gaming man. adaptions. That would say. be awesome. What was the best video game adaption? So, oh, I would, I'd, I'd be totally down for that. And I'm sure we Mar- could find Mar- a couple Mar- of other people to join us. Mario Brothers. <laughs> I do, I do. Now, okay, I do like that movie. It's a terrible movie, but I do like it. I mean, I really do. <laughs> Bob Hoskins is <laughs> Mario. Come on, John Leguizamo is Luigi. Oh man, it's great. I love that movie. Um can't think of anything off the top of my head other than that but they're all fairly terrible game adaptions but um anyway there's been a load of uh announcements in regards to new books coming out in april from dc comics and um the first one is green lantern issue one which is by jeffrey thorne and art by dexter soy um it's going to be uh sort of newly formed united planets and guardians of the universe um not going to say too much more of that but there's a theme running through these new books as we will start with this first one uh batman the dark knight issue one by tom taylor and art is going to be by andy cubit this is actually a mini series it's going to be six issues 32 pages uh 3.99 3.99 by the way then moving Across to digital first, but sticking with Batman themes, the next Batman Second Son issue one, which follows um, our future Tim Fox as Batman in the future state. This is a first issue of four issues. I'm assuming just on Comicology and the DC app. And I would assume they're probably going to collect it at some point. Sticking with Batman, the next new book is the Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries issue one. (laughs) Uh, This is... um, it's an all new all ages series uh it's gonna have superboy in it and it's gonna have robin in it so again another batman uh sorry sorry that's the next book sorry batman and scooby-doo but it's gonna be the dark knight scooby uh, teaming up with scooby-doo for the mysteries inc i saw i jumped ahead there i was reading my next notes apologies the next book that's coming out is challenges of the super sons which is robin and uh that's damian robin and jonathan kent as a young boy teaming up for a seven issue miniseries again 32 pages 399 dollars i love the super sons and it's by peter tomasi with art by rex rayner and um i i loved it when they originally sort of brought these characters together i think they were brilliant i've been completely disappointed that bendis actually aged jonathan upwards and so all of these books i guess are probably set in the past or or whatever it is um some other timeline or something or other um the next book is RWBY Justice League issue one. Which um, I'm excited about. I really <laughs> love that RWBY series. Blake is my favorite. I'm just saying. <laughs> this is a seven issue mini series. It's written by Margaret Bennett and art is by Anik. Um, so it's 32 pages, $3.99. Um, and there's a variant as well. Uh, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to this. I don't know anything about RWY, but I really like the art. So I was quite intrigued. That is the announcements of all of the new books that are coming out. One of the things I did notice as we were going, and actually if you look at the solicitations for April as a whole, how many Batman and Batman-related books there are now. Mm-hmm. And 
it's feeling very much like DC Comics is really DC Comics, Detective Comics, as, it, <laughs> as, as we know. As it were, um, yeah. Yeah, so I've sort of said this to you before, Jasmine, how I think that DC is extremely reliant on Batman and would DC survive without Batman? No, I think their, their, April the solic- <laughs> well, their April solicitations are proving to me that you know, they, I think they've sat back and realised actually we've got all these low-selling titles like Supergirl, Aquaman. They they're breaking even. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're even costing them money. Mm. And and you know, they, they've stepped back and actually said, you know what? What's making us money? Batman. Yep. Like so, in 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 March, you know, you've got the first issue of Joker and Batman Legends, and um, I think Batman Legends is an eight dollar book, which is going to be like six pounds something over here. Um, I mean, that's just crazy. Just like, so, you know, if, you, if you're a Batman fan and, you know, you want to get all the Batman books, you've got to add all those books that I just mentioned, Joker, um, Batman Legends. But those expensive know. books, they're doing uh, stories on the back end, aren't they? Kind of like yeah, what yeah, they're yeah, doing yeah. with Future State. So, I yeah. mean, that, that's part of the reason for the, the price. But at the same time, it's like you get two books in, in one. So I think the Batman's Legend one is has been described as an anthology book. And um, it's going to have three three titles in there and the joker also has a punchline back up mm-hmm. so yeah okay you are getting you are getting double the story which is something that we'll talk about in future state when we do future state later but you are getting more content for your money but again you are having to pay out yes money. you are having to pay up like, front uh, for right. the content so, right. yeah yeah i mean there might be if you didn't have that extra content would you buy an eight dollar 32 page book no you wouldn't um so they put more content in there but they know I, I don't know how it's going to work on the back end, like in terms of paying writers and illustrators, but they're yeah. clearly clearly not getting paid as much because they're not doing a full issue. So, and they know that selling eight dollars is uh, an eight dollar book is the equivalent of two books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't always necessarily feel that there's actually two comic books worth of material in there. So, just my thoughts. It's a toss up. Yeah, I'm excited for some of those books anyway, but whether or not I buy them, I don't know yet. Uh, yeah, well, I'm definitely excited to see this Justice League and RWBY uh, mashup, like mixing quote unquote traditional comics with manga style stuff. Like, I'm super excited to see how that turns out. Yeah. All right, moving right along. Our last piece of news is Disney Plus is reimagining Doogie Hauser MD, and they have found their lead. They're retooling the series. It is going to be starring Peyton Elizabeth Lee. And she will be playing Lahela Doogie Kamialoha. Um, and that series is going to be a half hour series. Uh, Lahela is the daughter of an Irish mother and a Hawaiian father. Um, I'm guessing the series takes place in Hawaii. Uh, it is going to be executive produced by Courtney Kang, who also produces and writes for Fresh Off the Boat and How I Met Your Mother. Um, so. I think that's I think that's going to be kind of interesting to to retool that series and we'll get to see the reinvention of the medical teenage genius that was Doogie Howser. Uh, so I mean, what's not to love about Neil Patrick Harris? I I it was everybody's kind of introduction to Neil Patrick Harris way back in the day before How I Met Your Mother made him super famous. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm excited and like total side story, but. 
when uh, one of my cousins, like he, he moved to LA long before I did. And he said he ran into Doogie Hauser, and this is what he, he called him. He didn't call him Neil Patrick Harris. He's like, we ran into Doogie Hauser at a bar. <laughs> we heckled him all the way across the bar. We called him Doogie all night. And I was like, you are such a jerk. Why would you do that? Um, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'd be excited to see a Doogie Hauser remake because I do. Did he, resp- did he respond? Day. No, did he res- absolutely not. He was so mad at them for calling him Doogie <laughs> all night. <laughs> he must get that, though. Like, he I'm must, sure he does. What? <laughs> well, I've heard about celebrities like tell stories about how most of the time you know they're all right and i can't remember what celebrity it was i was uh, watching an interview on but they were chasing their kid down the street who was being naughty or whatever it was and running onto the beach and and, and then some fans were like oh do the line or do the line whatever i take a picture and he's like look man i'm with, I'm with my, kids. my kid okay <laughs> like, just, just just go away like, yeah and um I was um, sitting once in the cafe, and um, you won't know him. Um, it's an English actor, but in um, a crime thing we have over over here, uh, David Tennant. But well, it's finished now. But I was literally sitting in there with my kids, sitting in this gym. Uh, sorry, this cafe in this gym, and um, this actor walks in, and he's with his kids. And straight away, I was like, "Oh God!" It's like, and um, and at the time, he he was on TV as well. Like he was in this this mystery um, show. Um, which oh, I bloody forgot the name of. Um, but anyway, um, and I, I thought to myself like about saying, hey, like just because, you know, I recognised him and he was with his kids and I was with my kids and he's literally standing about a metre away. And I was like, nah, man, he's like, it's his day off. Yeah. yeah. He's with his kids. So I, just, I, didn't, I didn't say anything. Like, I didn't even say, hey, maybe I could have said, hey, like, but but I didn't. And because um, I just thought, you know, he clearly knows he's recognisable. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think sometimes you've got to think, actually, you know, when I saw him with his kids as well, I just thought he just wants to be left alone. So, uh, but the Doogie Howser thing, I'm well excited for that. Like, I would love to get my pair, my kids into this. And um, I loved Doogie Howser as a kid. Yeah. Um, I can't really remember it that well, but like, I just remember him. I think it was the end of every episode, didn't he? Like, write like a diary or like on the computer or something. Or oh man, I don't remember. But I remember Doogie Howser was the reason I started to like things like ER. Um, so like it was my segue into all of these hospital shows that eventually like took over primetime. I, you know, I I never watched ER. Oh my god. (laughs) ER was the best of all of the hospital shows. You know, everybody talks about Grey's Anatomy. ER was miles and miles better than Grey's Anatomy. It's a show that I always say, like, I may go back and watch, but then I think the further as time goes on, like, I know how... Don't get me wrong, I'm happy to watch old stuff, but, like, it's... Is it going to be that dated to go back and watch it? It's dated because you know those people now. So they yeah. don't, you know, they don't look like George Clooney was on ER, but like George Clooney then does not look like the George Clooney that everybody is familiar with now. Oh, yeah, well. um, so like going back and looking at them when they were much younger is sort of dated, but like, I mean, other than like vehicles and things like that, I don't think a show like ER would feel too, too outdated. I think also the other thing is like you just there's just so much new stuff to watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who has time to go back anyway? Yeah. Um, that's our news of the week. Yeah. What do you see? Only your lovely rose bushes. That's all? Are you using your night vision vision? I assure you, my love, I see nothing amiss. You have absolutely no reason to be. No! 
you were saying? So our first review, we are finally back with some brand new Disney Plus content. Uh, well, I should say Marvel content on Disney Plus. Uh, it is 2021, is the, and this is the first piece of mar- new Marvel we have gotten since 2019. Yeah. Um, so WandaVision premiered on Disney Plus. The first two episodes are available now for streaming. It, uh, the series was created by Jack Schaefer. It's directed by mm-hmm. Matt Shankman. It stars Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, Deborah Jo Rupp, Fred Melamed, Catherine Hahn, Tayana Paris, Kat Tennings, and Randall Park. Those last two names, I did not realize they were in this series. I will spoil it right now and tell you they are not in the first two episodes. Uh, so I guess we got to wait a little bit before we see Kat Dennings and Randall Park. But I'm guessing those two characters are going to be what ties this to the Doctor Strange sequel uh, that Wanda is supposed to be a, a pretty big part of. Um, so series starts off. It is very, very heavily influenced by a lot of the 50s and 60s sitcoms that we used to get here uh, on American TV, stuff like Bewitched. Um I Love Lucy. It's very reminiscent of that era and that kind of television. It starts out in black and white. Um, And it it, basically it's the trope of the out of place people trying to fit into a society that is clearly not meant for them. Um, So you've got Wanda and Vision. Wanda is one of the most powerful women in well, powerful people in the entire Marvel universe. And then of course Vision was Jarvis uh that was actually incarnated um but they're trying to fit into this cookie cutter world and they're trying to assimilate into this just everyday joe blow keeping up with the joneses kind of life it's a 30 minute format which i was not expecting i guess when i when i logged in i wasn't expecting that either yeah when i logged in this morning and i was like 27 minutes that's it what well, well the first episode wasn't even 27 minutes it was about 22 22 minutes yeah because it has like seven and a half minutes worth of credits i was like this is ridiculous think, for credits. Yeah, they, come on i think they stretch those t- those credits out like yeah. yeah like they've got the really cool marvel typical end credit sequence and then after the marvel sequence there's the entire i like to call it the netflix sequence because then they tell you about oh all, this is the german cast and this is the indonesian cast like all the, the voice people that dub everything over Anyway, so there's it's 27 minutes, but you know, like Mark said, it's five minutes and some change of credits in the first episode. Um, what what struck me right away was how familiar it felt. Like when it first started, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is." There's the laugh track. There's just black and white. It's shenanigans. It's it's very kind of simplistic. It follows a very simplistic. Uh, standard sitcom formula Um, but as the episode goes further and further along you do realize that something is definitely definitely off Um, I don't I assume it's sinister I mean it has to be right it can't this can't be something that came from a good place Um, so but you don't get like a sinister vibe at least not at the very beginning it's just kind of like something's not right and I can't quite put my finger on what it is um but there's, toward the end of the episode, Wanda seems to be the only one that starts to realize that things are not quite what they seem or things are not moving in the way that they should be moving or in, you know, it, she can tell that something is wrong. Um, so it, it's what I found funniest about the episodes, both episodes, was that Vision is so aloof. He's, he's always been kind of unaware 
um, just by nature because he is not human. Uh, but he feels even more aloof and just kind of like a big doofus uh, throughout both of these first two episodes. Um, <clears throat> so, but but the, but his, I guess, being unaware is kind of what lends itself to the theory, my, my theory at least, that Wanda knows that something is wrong, but Wanda is the only one that knows that something is wrong. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just kind of the vibe that I get. It's only the first two episodes. They haven't really explained much. By the time they get to the second episode, they start to reveal a little bit more. There's there's a couple of sequences with a radio where through the static, you can hear someone calling out to Wanda. Now, in my head, it sounded like Clint Barton. That could be completely wrong. It could be Doctor Strange. I thought, you know, I thought it sounded like Steve Rogers. Now, I know it can't be Steve Rogers because he's, well, well, no, no, no. It, it, it could it, be. It could be Steve Rogers because he's not dead. But yeah. it's unlikely <laughs> to be Steve Rogers. But I literally, like me and my wife watching it, even she said, that sounds like Steve Rogers. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, But yeah. it can't be Steve because, like. I pick Clint because I know that Hawkeye has a series on Disney Plus. So, like, if they're trying to connect the different TV series together, then this could be a way. But it could very well be Doctor Strange because, again, uh, Wanda is a big part of the Doctor Strange sequel. So, anyway, there is a voice on the radio that comes through the static, and you can tell that this voice is calling out to Wanda in a way that it's it's trying to ask her, like, if she needs help, if she's okay. so that when it when when those kinds of things start happening, that's when it gets really interesting. And mm. then we get further into the episode and, and pretty much the last couple of minutes of the episode, there's at night, right when they're like getting ready for bed, there's always this random like banging noise that they can hear outside. And in the first episode, they kind of explain it away like, oh, it's just a tree hitting the window. But this time they actually run out of the house to try to see what the sound is. And there is a <laughs> beekeeper. <laughs> I, I mean, it comes, yeah, it comes out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. he comes out of the sewer. Um, but and when he turns when, around uh, to look at them, you can't see his face. It's it's covered with the with the beekeeping net, but it's also completely like blacked out. You can't see who it is, who who it, who what the face is at all. Um, but it, right when that happens, Wanda is just kind of like no, and then she starts to reverse time and mm-hmm. go go back to you know a couple of minutes before all of this happened. And then they just kind of reenact the scene all over again without the guy coming out of the sewer. So by the end of the second episode, you're you're pretty sure like something is amiss, and I don't quite know what it is. Um, there's also some I, I call it Pleasantville elements at play because yeah, that, that, that was it. I was I looked that up. Um, yeah. it's definitely um, I loved Pleasantville. Pleasant, oh my god, Pleasant- Pleasantville is a fantastic film. I love that movie so much. Came out, was it 1998? It came out in yeah. Um, so Pleasantville but- is a movie where ninety percent of the movie is in black and white, and then as people start to uh, as their minds start to expand or as they're exposed to more things and they accept those things within themselves to be true. They start to see things in color, um, which kind of also happens in a book that we all read in American schools uh, called The Giver, where um, kids eventually start to see color after they hit puberty. Anyway, so the the Pleasantville aspect, like the first the first couple of episodes are are in black and white, but there is a scene where Wanda finds a toy helicopter in her rose bushes, and the toy helicopter is, to me, it looks like the same colors as Tony Stark's armor. It's red and gold. Um, it looks way too modern to be from the 50s. It looks like a very modern, like military kind of style helicopter. Um, so that's the only piece of color that we see 
at the very beginning and then at the end of the episode after she realizes that she's pregnant um then both her and vision and their house become colorized as well (laughs) also the completely random the house in the second episode is completely different from their house in the first episode. Yeah, that's what, yeah we noticed that. And I don't know if that was on purpose or like, are, are they going to be in it a different be house purpose. every episode? Like, I thought that was purpose. really weird. Um, right. So yeah, like it, 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 it's got this saccharine sweet sitcom overlay, but you know that something awful or something terrible is going on that is that has created this alternate reality um my theory is that somehow some kind of way after the events of in um infinity war or in game um maybe wanda was captured and if she was captured she has retreated into her own mind and she has created this illusion of her and vision together um that's that's as far as I've gotten so far with just the first two episodes, but yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things. Like I want to know what's going on, but this didn't grab me enough to make me want to sit down and watch this next Friday. So a couple of things, like I want to go through, like um, so the pregnancy thing and the uh, thing where she said no, and then she rewound time. Mm-hmm. So if you know anything about Wanda in the comics, Wanda is extremely powerful. Um, She decimated the mutant population by saying three words, no more mutants. Um, Class copy like 10 years ago now. Um, There's a massive um, Marvel crossover called House of M uh, where reality got changed and Magneto became like the king of the world. And, and then all the mutants ended up um, having to team up and uh, et cetera. And um, I think it was actually Wolverine who saved the day. Uh, and then Wanda in a fit of rage said no more mutants. And I think she reduced the mutant population from millions and millions of mutants down to, I think it was like 198 from memory. Um I think they, they still kind of suffer from that storyline now, but that's the power that she has in the comics. And when she said no in that moment, it actually reminded me of that moment in the comics where she went no around time in that show or in this show. Well, she's kind of obviously in the sitcom universe that she's in, which at, it wasn't really up until that point that I, I didn't think that Wanda knew, but for the moment she said no around time, I was like, okay, so my thoughts on this now are that someone's put her there, mm-hmm. but now she knows she's been put there. Yeah. And she likes that she's there. Well, she likes Vision that is Vision there. is there with her. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so the pregnancy thing, now I didn't read this story, but I know in the story, um, I know in the comics that Wanda as well used magic um, to create twin sons, Tommy and Billy, who eventually join the Young Avengers. Um now is this where this is headed like you know is it when they get out of this sitcom universe is it going to lead to us gaining two young avengers characters which we're also getting in the hawkeye series we're getting the miss well we're getting miss marvel who is not a young avenger but you know we're getting a lot of young superheroes are we potentially seeing the next avengers film being the young avengers rather than avengers mm-hmm. which i would be really on board with um but yeah are we yeah i I could just be massively jumping to conclusions but why would they add the pregnancy in um 
my thoughts on, like you say, her knowing that she's there is because somehow Vision is there, which leads me to questions because at the end of the first episode, the sitcom pans out to somebody watching it on a TV, mm-hmm. like in some, like in some sort of, I don't know, uh, laboratory or yeah. It reminded like, me of the facility yeah. that Hydra used uh, in Captain America: Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, it was something like that. So. I think you, you you said before we recorded, is it Hydra? Is it the Scrolls? Well, the watch. Yeah. There was that watch commercial in the second episode. And when they zoomed in on the close-up of the watch, it had a Hydra logo in it. Uh, so I they didn't have, They that. have introduced Hydra. Um, but uh, I just, like, it's, it's Hydra not enough information sense. yet to put the pieces Hydra- together. I was going to say, Hydra make more sense because that would tie into Wanda's background, like where her and her brother were originally used by hydra um so that would be interesting i think it'd be pretty cool to be the hydra twist but then it it started making me question as well like why would they do this so are they trying to bring back the infinity stones you know is that because obviously if they someone's watching it on the sick on the sitcom on this tv you know i don't know sort of a lot of questions but so going back to the actual little sitcom episodes on their own to take them as they are i agree with you about this is very much very much like watching like a homage to mm-hmm. 50s and 60s television and and we've seen it done before like we talked about Pleasantville and um I'm sure there are other people that have done it but it was very 50s and 60s and the second um episode's titles I was like this is bewitched this is bewitched yes. like yeah yeah the like, opening credits oh man like, I used to love bewitched I used to love bewitched as well like as a kid like and I know it came out probably before I was born it was probably just repeated on tv but I used mm. to love watching it and I think originally it was black and white and then it eventually did move to color as well that yes. show um so that was probably what was a cool thing that they did deliberately with episode two because that show started in black and white moved to color and what's cool is when we were watching it both my daughters walked into the room and went why are you watching something that's gray (laughs) and i was like it's not gray it's black and white no no it's gray it's gray it's grayscale you're watching grayscale tv they were like they were really weirded out by the fact that it wasn't color and i Mm -hmm. thought this is quite strange to them because i even as a child i grew up with black and white stuff um and color like but black and white as well and obviously smaller screens which as well which they've done with the black borders on the tv mm-hmm. um i was like oh black borders so I even you know um that's one of the things i always hate about watching old stuff is you've got the black borders but i was like this they have really done well in tight terms of trying to make it as 50s and 60s as they could mm-hmm. um so there's two moments in there's two moments in both the episodes that like we were just laughing our heads off. The dinner scene in the first episode, <laughs> yeah, and and where it's just it's just hilarious. Her cooking with all things floating around the kitchen, and and he's playing um oh, on his little ukulele, yeah, uh, like and um and just all the and telling them about the weird traditions that they have of hide and seek, yeah, in Sokovia, yeah. So yeah, it's Sokovia, not hide and seek, where they go guess who, sorry, and um and then but then the second episode, and like you just said about um sort of vision being funny and mm-hmm. the the magic show was just brilliant it was that so was, funny that was really well done that, that whole magic show was so good and i i was really like concerned about marvel entering into comedy world because i know i remember uh, i don't know if you ever saw but a few years ago dc had a uh half an hour comedy show or something called powerless and um i only ever watched the first episode and oh I, yeah that really... was the one that was exclusive to the playstation network right 
was it? No, 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 no. That's um, that's powers you're thinking mm. of. Mm. Um, no, powerless was a. It was just a, it was a DC uh, comedy sitcom thingy. I think they were set in a, an office or something like that, and um, they. I don't know. I've got a feeling they. I can't remember what it was. They, they, their job was involved in in sort of clearing up superhero stuff or doing something behind the scenes. And sometimes you'd see superheroes flying in the background or whatever it was. Um, but it was comedy. And um, so I, I was like, oh, you know, this is basically like a sitcom comedy. And I've been hearing that She-Hulk's going to be similar. Um, so I was a bit worried about that. But actually, it, these, these two things were fairly well done. And they but were Paul nice, they, Bettany uh, has always been funny. Like... And to to be able to see him actually do comedy, I really enjoy Vision in the series. Yeah, no, he yeah he was just so good, and um, yeah. I thought also Elizabeth Olsen was actually handled comedy really well. Yeah, um, like she, I don't know, she she comes across as a really good actress, and um, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything other than playing Wonder. Like, oh uh, man, if you ever want to be depressed, go watch Wind River. It's her and Jeremy Renner. Oh, it is so good. That's a really, really good film, and she's great. You know, that in is it. a film. That is a film I do want to watch. Um, yeah, no, I, I do know about that film. I'd heard some good things about it, but yeah, um, yeah no, the comedy aspect of it, and it, it had me reflecting a little bit on TV and content. Um, Although I didn't overly love these episodes, I did like them and they were kind of enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But I don't want them to, I think it's only eight episodes. I don't want them to spend loads of time in this sitcom world, yeah. which is what I think is going to happen. But um, I feel like that's moving faster because there was more of the real world peeking through by the second episode. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I think... I think by the time we get to like episodes three, four, five, we're gonna we're gonna really hit the like dilemma phase where it's like, well, oh man, this is it's really starting to unfold at this point. <laughs> um, the, do you know the other thing it reminded me of? You know the radio and someone's voice coming through. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the TV show Life on Mars. No. Um, so it was a UK show over here, and I think it went on for two seasons here then it had a spin-off ashes to ashes um you guys did a remake life on mars but it got cancelled and um life on mars basically is a a policeman who ends up in an alternate 70s mm-hmm. and um and again they do they play homage to the 70s cop stuff and every now and again you'll hear the radio or the tv go and voices he knows from the present will be creeping through the radio mm-hmm. um and you don't know why so you sort of question has he gone back in time or is he somewhere else yeah. and um and and ha- well we find out that he hasn't gone back in time um so um well that's really how i, I never watched the spin-off ashes to ashes but that's pretty much what he alludes to is that he never actually went back in time that actually um actually i won't ruin it if someone hasn't watched life on mars go and watch it it's really cool but anyway so I, I, like i say i enjoyed this i will carry on watching this because yeah like i say it's had me reflecting on content at the moment and i want to kind of get away from what i've realized is a lot of the stuff that i watch i like i watch a lot of stuff but i want to get away from the stuff that's got real world in it like um all the chicago's i watch and the fbi's and the um 
whatever else I watched that was bringing COVID into it. Like I, you know, it's fucking been going on for a year now. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I, I, I want this done. Like the last thing, you know, I get a few hours a day to enjoy entertainment. The last thing I'll do is sit down and watch actual entertainment that's brought COVID in. So yes. actually it was nice to have something that's lighthearted and it's and sinister at the same time. So yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this and I don't know if I want to watch it weekly, but I probably will, if I'm honest, because it actually was it was family entertainment as well. Yeah. So you could could watch this with children. Um, even that sinister moment wasn't that sinister. Like, yeah. So nothing nothing major or scary or anything like that has happened yet. Mm. Um, I think I would probably wait until it's done. If they're only half hour episodes, I mean, I could clear this out in another three hours. Not well, you could do it at night. You could do it at night. Yeah. So I, I'd probably pick it up once everything is said and done, but I'm, it, it's not enough to keep me coming back week to week. So we rated this 3.5 out of five, but yeah, we, we would watch it again or carry on watching it. So we'll move on to our comic book section of the episode, which is <laughs> Future State um, part two. DC Comics. Yeah, Future State Part 2. Yeah. Um, you may think there's a theme, but there is not. We are not going to do more Future State books in the, um, for the next six weeks. Um, yeah. So although they are coming out every week until the end of February. Um, Who knows? Just, if they're good enough, they might wind up in our recommendations, but yeah. Oh, yeah, we're not going to be covering them. Yeah, well, yeah, we're not going to be reviewing them in the detail. But um, yeah. yeah, like you say, we're going to carry on reading the few that we've liked but we've grabbed enough between us that we have picked a few that we probably will stick with for um the next uh, couple of weeks so well well six weeks have left now so it's halfway through january so we've got six weeks left of this alternate possible future uh or one of many uh potential um futures so um the first one that we looked at actually was the dark detective by mariko Tamaki. Um, Tamaki. Tamaki, yeah, yeah. I should probably think about that. Anyway, art and cover are by Dan Mora and colours are by Geordie Bell- Bellary. Um, Belair. Belair, Belair. There we go. I should do uh, lessons on how to say people's names. <laughs> um, so like, I've got my dark detective issue with me, actually. Do you know what? Like, even if you don't read this book, the front cover needs a poster. Like, yeah. It's, this, this, is so this good. book was a neon dream. I loved, loved all of the coloring in this book. I mean, it was fantastic. And we talked about the coloring last week in the next Batman, uh, the next Batman issue yeah. one. Right. Um, but the coloring this week, it, it, oh man, it, it it's like they're, I don't know. I mean, of course they're not competing with each other, but like, it, it, I didn't think I would enjoy the coloring even more. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that I did. Like, I just, the colors in here are so fantastic. Do you know, like, you always, you always hear this. I've, I've, heard, I've heard this argument before, actually. You hear about the writer. You hear about the illustrator. Mm-hmm. But you rarely ever hear about the colorist. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll tell you what, colorists do not get enough props. Like, yeah. I hate picking up black and white comics. I really do. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I hate them. I've read them. But I... I enjoy comics for the beauty of the medium. You know, yes. a comic book is about artwork, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to read, if you want to read just writing, I'll read a novel, like, or, 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 you know, I'll read a book of some kind. Um, but I enjoy comics because of the medium of the artwork. And I, I don't really enjoy reading comics where it's just black and white. Um, I've read, like I said to you, when we, 
wrote to you, I said to you actually during the first lockdown, I read the first, first couple of um, Walking Dead graphic novels, which are all mm-hmm. in black and white, um, which I actually didn't feel were that well written either, to be honest. Um, <laughs> That's a whole other story, though. But, but I just, I, I didn't get into it. And then I, I did pick up the first issue of the coloured Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And it was like... Nine day. I could probably get on board with this. And, yeah. Because um, I just prefer it being coloured. But yeah, like you say about the co- the colourist, it's just so good. Like the like you say, the neon Tokyo mm-hmm. design and just how he breathes This is a life. Gotham City unlike any version of Gotham City that I've ever seen before. Because normally when I think about Gotham City, I think like, oh, it's dark colours, everything is muted, we got lots of blacks and browns. But this this really did take me to a totally different place. Like when I, when I first opened this book, I was like, I feel like I stepped right into like altered carbon or blade runner. Oh yeah. No, there's, there's touches of like, um, I think you've got, you've got it written down on your notes there, like Akira blade runner, altered mm-hmm. carbon. It, 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 you, you know, you, you kind of feel like from things that are going on, that it's potentially five years in the future. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess it's five years in a comic book future. So five years in a comic book future is probably yeah. maybe maybe realistic. The the technologies that they have in even in the in the current present time, you probably could uh, get to this level. But I mean, like you said, every page you turn and the colors like there's a there's a scene which we'll talk about in a minute. But there's a scene where Batman is in a sort of hospital chair, mm-hmm. and the the pinks that are across the two mm-hmm. double pages are. Are just amazing just and it actually you know there's a sign outside the building that he goes into that says neon outside <laughs> like I mean, the honestly the colorist needs to get some real props and you yeah. know the following page it's in a sort of a Times square looking yes uh place and and again i mean there's so many fantastic colors um uh, yeah you could just talk about the colors i mean we've probably talked about the colors now for about four minutes but yeah, um, I will say like normally I don't I it's it's hard for me to pick like a favorite page, but reading this book, page 14, for anybody who has the hard copy, it's a a scene where Bruce Wayne is running across a crosswalk like trying to get away from everything just to find a quiet place to like uh, a, a quiet street to quiet oh, yeah, his mind. Yeah. yeah, and it's like all of this neon signage and stuff in the background. It's just that is a phenomenal layout. Everything about that page is perfect. The eyeball above the head is really good. Um, like watching, almost like watching. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the story itself it is set in the future state mm-hmm. um, future, which not every book is set around the same time. So I don't know if this is necessarily set at the same time as reading the next batman um yeah that was that was my question reading it because it's all the same people like they're still talking about the magistrate they still have the peacemakers like yeah are are we in the same time frame no no, i think i think it's around the same time ish but i'm not saying that like last week's episode yeah yeah yeah, like i'm not saying that last week's episode was like literally last week like Mm -hmm. it could be that last week's episode was sort of two or three months ago or um especially when we talk about grifter the grifter the backup story in this Mm -hmm. as well um so in last week's next batman batman bruce wayne are gone and even in the last backup story of the next batman um 
uh, those magistrate people, uh, the Arkham Knights, that's it. They're all living in the, in Bruce Wayne's... Um, in Wayne Manor. Uh, in Wayne Manor. Yeah, in mm-hmm. Wayne Manor. And obviously Batman's been completely replaced and you don't see any sign of Bruce Wayne or, or anything like that. And so there's a big mystery of where the hell is Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. That mystery is solved, um, like, straight away, really. So it starts off at a cemetery, Bruce Wayne, and then it does a bit of flashing back, and um, which I think is cool. Um, so it's sort of, he, he's running and running, and, you know, he's you're seeing the past of him running, um, holding a wound, whilst now in the present, he's sort of at this funeral, um, uh, sorry, funeral at this um, graveyard, mm-hmm. uh, cemetery, cemetery uh, is probably the best word. And then, you know, can't have to mention the colours again. And then you see him in sort of current time in this really neon blazing cafe with this mm-hmm. woman with cool pit, uh, blonde tips. And But he uh, doesn't uh, even have money. He doesn't call it money. He calls it credits. Yeah. So like, we're so far into Gotham's future that money is not a thing anymore, that everything is, uh, it's it's based on either like a, a click system or a, a pay through your phone kind of system where it's all credits. It's not actual cash exchange. I want to talk about money as well. Cause he, when it flashes back to after he got shot, he goes to somewhere where he knows like a, an underground doctor. Yes. Uh, and the guy says, I won't open the door unless you've got money. And right. he's like, I've got money. And then he mentions that's the last of the Wayne enterprise fortune. Mm-hmm. And, and now in the current Batman titles, he lost a lot of his money because of the Joker war. Although, allies of his have his money he's decided mm-hmm. to yeah they've made an agreement that he won't take all his billions back that he's now a millionaire so over the last five years a lot must have happened that he has yeah literally... for bruce wayne to be poor yeah yeah so like he literally hands over his last penny to save his life yeah and, and, and when he goes he... and sits down in that coffee shop in the present day or whatever he says he only has enough credits for coffee <laughs> Can you imagine I mean, Bruce Wayne only has enough money to pay for a cup of coffee? I just, it, it's been, I think reading the current Batman titles where he's not poor anymore, but he's not a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And then to, and then for us to take this break and then get introduced to Bruce Wayne of the future that has no money. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is, it is an interesting development to see that he has nothing yeah. like other, other than being Batman, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess got taken away from him by, Tim Fox. Um, however, he does get back into costume, which yeah. is pretty cool. Like just that whole... scene where he just like rips off his clothing, and yeah. he's wearing a totally redesigned bat suit underneath with no cape. Getting chased by that the magistrates. That was badass. That was a really badass sequence. By order of the magistrates, like the are oh, the magic. Do you know what the magistrates are pretty cool? Like. I almost hope that they bring this into current time, getting rid of the PD, Gotham PD and bringing mm-hmm. in the magistrate. I actually think that would be a really cool development. Because it's it's an overbearing force, right? It's not, yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it's anything that can be surmounted by like, oh, it's one or two bad cops that are kind of doing, doing their own thing. No, no, this is like a whole entire organization that is bad from like, tip to top you know tip to bottom so it, it makes you wonder a little bit if because i mean i know you don't read batman and detective comics but i read them and so i mean in, in batman like i just said batman he's lost his uh, he's not he's lost a good chunk of his fortune but in detective comics they actually have a storyline running at the moment where um there's a guy who's um become trying to become mayor of gotham city and his whole policy is that he's anti-vigilantes mm-hmm. he doesn't want to take money from anyone he um he wants to be uncorruptible and um there's a scene where 
um, he's having an operation on his eye and he's going to have like a robotic eye thing put in. And then as he's about to have it put in, or he just has it put in in the latest detective comics, um, somebody mentions, um, the doctor mentions to him that Bruce Wayne paid for an upgrade and he rips the eyeball out and says, no, I don't, I'm not going to have Bruce Wayne pay for me. I'm not, I'm not going to be influenced by anybody. Um, and this mayor who's very anti-vigilantes, like, I mean, I don't know where the current titles are going, but is this just a sign of what's to come? Mm-hmm. So this, this kind of makes me think, like, is this just DC saying this is like our roadmap, like, you know, for Maybe. what's coming? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're never, they're never going to go full, literally, like you say, Neon Tokyo in Gotham and, no. and, and, and apocalyptic in current books. I, I don't see them doing that because I think a lot of the books are potential they kind of all Marvel and DC books are always set kind of in a possible now. Right. Um, but yeah, well, I think you lose too much of your natural audience if you take it to that extreme because not everybody is into the cyberpunk kind of scene. Right. I think we, I think people like it as an event, which it is. Mm-hmm. They might potentially buy one or two future state ongoings following this, but I don't think they'd like to see all their books suddenly shifted. I might be wrong, but I can't see you wanting to pick up a DC universe where everything's set five to 10 years an hour. Well, even, well, these kind of technologies would be set probably 30, 40 years in our future. But, mm. you know, would we want to read these books? I don't know. I think one of the things you like about reading Batman and Superman is that I guess in some, they're not relatable, but they live in a possible relatable world. Like, yeah. I think, probably the DC books are less relatable than the Marvel ones. Um, the Marvel ones, I guess, because they're set more in real world places where Batman is set in Gotham and Superman and well, all the characters are set in, in made up cities. Yeah. So um, it always makes me think of Marvel books that you'd hate to live in New York, uh, New, York <laughs> like, <laughs> New York City. So I think but, one of my favorite things about this book though um, was despite the fact that he had lost everything, he did not lose his will to fight for the voiceless. Yeah. So like, as he's uh, trying to run away and wrap his head around the state of Gotham as it is now, he comes across this alley and this dude, this old man is getting bullied by a, a three street thugs. And I, he just like runs up to him. Well, not run, but he just kind of inserts himself into the situation and like helps the guy out. And it's like, no matter how far you've fallen, you still have that sort of do-gooder mentality. No, I mean, like you've got you at this point, you literally have nothing to lose because you don't have any money anymore. You don't have your giant fortune. You don't have your name. You don't even have your mask to hide behind or so we think. Um, So I kind of, I just, I kind of love that that part of him is still there. I I love the last page. It's like Bruce Wayne is dead. Yeah, um, and the funeral's over. That was, yeah, that was funeral, one of my favorite yeah. lines in the book. Yeah, that, that, yeah, literally, I was about to say that. The last line of this yeah. story, the funeral's over, or funeral, yeah. actually, it's just funeral's over. Yeah, like, get uh, off your pity party and get to work. Like, I, I love uh, it. And actually, just before that, he says, whatever I am now, I've got nothing left but time to fix this mess. Mm-hmm. So, literally, he, he is Batman. That is it. Right. And he, he oh. knows that whatever. And I, I think that's that was kind of the moment that it drew me in. And and at this point, I think I'm all in for the two Batman series that are part of Future State, because he said that the magistrate's technology is built from Wayne technology stuff. And he's like, and because it's built off of Wayne technologies, I am the only person that can bring it down. 
And I'm like, oh man, this is going to be so great. Like <laughs> it's, it's going to be like him destroying it from the inside. So I thought that part of it was really cool. And he's, he basically kind of realizes like, I am uniquely qualified to bring down this horrible organization. So I'm oh, yeah. all for it. So we should probably move on to the second part of our book. Um, we'll just sort of go through this one a bit more briefly, but it's one not that you you didn't know this character that well. So the second, no, I never heard of him. Uh, so the second story, which I actually say I prefer of this book, actually, that is two stronger stories rather mm-hmm. than last week's next Batman was three stories, which actually all three of them felt short. Um, these two actually felt like decent sized stories and i actually was surprised how long grifter was yeah me it, too. yeah i i actually, now this actually like, felt like a double issue yeah this this to me i i really i preferred this style of book i think putting three stories in last week was a mistake by by dc um and obviously it's one they're going to repeat throughout the next three issues so there's no getting away from it but this grifter book if you don't know if you don't know who grifter is so grifter was was a Wildstorm comic, which Wildstorm were part of Image Comics originally 20-ish years ago. Um, and then Wildstorm bought them, I don't know, maybe, maybe Image is more than 30, 30 years or 30 years old or something. And then I'm sure DC bought them uh, Wildstorm about 20 years ago and they brought them over to DC, but they remained a separate imprint for a long time. And then uh, when New 52 happened, they merged Wildstorm characters into the 52 universe. And they were quite predominant in the 52 universe originally. And then the Rebirth happened and they kind of all just disappeared. Um, uh, I know Warren Ellis done, has done his own thing with Wildstorm, which I've not read. But um, anyway, they've been recently reintroduced um, to the sort of the Marvel, uh, to the DC universe. And actually I read Grifter um, showed up in Batman issue 101, which came out uh, a couple of months ago. And this book actually, I felt tied back to that. And I think um, the Batman legends book that's due to come out in March, actually one of those um, anthology, it's an anthology book. One of those is going to have a Grifter story in. Um, So, they're clearly trying to make Grifter part of Gotham and, and the Batman universe. And I think Grifter actually is a, a comic book character that probably would fit well in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, it, the, the title of the book starts with him at a casino, just having a fight. Magistrates show up who just seemed to be everywhere. Well, <laughs> like, it was first it was Gotham PD showed up and then he ran from the Gotham PD and then he ran into the magistrates. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that did confuse me because I thought the PD were meant to be gone unless it's just an element of them left. I, 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 I think it, there's a very small contingent, but like they don't expect the PD to actually do anything. They still leave the heavy lifting to the magistrate. That was the impression that I got from um, the, I think it was the Arkham Knights one. So he ends up in the back of this magistrate's van and none other than Luke Fox is tied <laughs> up in the back. So this is where I felt like they, they don't really link up as well. Cause obviously mm-hmm. Luke Fox is a main part of the next Batman, uh, the next Batman, which I think as well is, you know, if you're reading next Batman, they haven't said who the Batman is. Right. So then, then he's locked up here and he doesn't know how to get out and needs Grifter's help to get out. And I'm like, well, if you were Batman, you'd know how to get out. So, and they're saying about how, 
um, the magistrates are really locking down hard. They're going after anyone that even was a vigilante now. Mm-hmm. They, they, they've gone after the vigilantes. Now they're going after anybody that was a vigilante. And they know that Luke Fox used to be Batman, uh, Batwing a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but they they're using up- them. They're, he says that they're taking the old vigilantes and they're using them to catch all of these new criminals. Oh, yeah, like as bait or get yeah, information yeah. from them or whatever it is. Um, and then they, they sort of team up both of them and then they end up at Grifter's apartment. And I, I do love it. Luke Fox goes, oh, how many um, sort of uh, <laughs> hideaway locations have you got? And he's like, this, this isn't one of them. This is my apartment. And he's like, oh, oh it's, a, it's, a, it's nice. It's lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> and, um, but then I, the bit I love, the bottom half of the page where you just see Grifter stick on his mask. I've always loved Grifter's mask. I, yeah, I, it's it's, it's a great cool. mask. Um, I've always loved Grifter's look. It's not really like a superhero look because it's just... It know, looks very ragtag. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very military, but then he has the superhero mask to it. And of all, all the masks that you see in comics, I've always loved Grifter's mask. Yeah. Um, I, now, but I really... wonder, like, does he have his powers here? Because I looked him up and it says he's got, like, telekinesis and that kind yeah. of stuff. But, like, they make no mention of that in this little side story. Yeah, no, they, I noticed that, that they didn't bring up his powers. I know that he does have powers. Like, I knew that he had mm-hmm. uh, mind powers, but they don't make any mention of it. And so Luke and Grifter is now going to try and get out of Gotham. And that kind of leads them on a story trying to escape and some fights. And then they eventually end up with the Huntress. I don't really want to say too much more about this, but I actually really enjoyed this book. I thought, I thought overall I enjoyed both stories. I thought like they were good, good, strong stories. Yeah, I would not pick up this story by itself, but if it's in the next issue of The Dark Detective, then I, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely keep reading it. Um, it's, well, I think it... I it says it's a... part one in this book, but it doesn't say when part two is happening. If it's like the next bat, it just says to be continued. Um it just says to be continued. And I'm not sure. So if it's like the next Batman, then it may not be in the next one. It may be in the following one. Oh, right. So the, next, the next Batman will alternate in their backups. So, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the next two books, Jasmine and myself alternated them. So yeah. <laughs> well, we're not going to go in them in, in massive detail. There was a lot of, to be honest, there was a load of Future State books that came out this week. There was Robin and oh, just, lo- just loads. Um uh, Jasmine grabbed Green Lantern and I grabbed Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, at this time of recording, I've only actually read the first half of Justice League, which has a backup story. So I haven't actually read the backup yet, which is Dark Justice League. So the Justice League of Future State is written by Joshua Williamson and are by Robson Rocha and colours by Daniel Henriquez. I believe that's how I said. Um, anyway, <laughs> this follows the Future State Justice League, which is Jonathan Ken, um, new Wonder Woman, uh, obviously new Superman, new... Um, uh, new Flash. I don't know anything about who this new Flash is, to be honest. Um, Aqua Woman, who is goes by Andy Curry, um, and it's got our Far Sector Green Lantern in it, um, Sojourner, uh, who they call Joe, um, and it's got our new Batman in it as well, Tim Fox. So what I like about this is they flash back as well during this book to something that happened with the Justice League. And I'm wondering, again, if this is something that's going to happen in 
the sort of the books when we come back to them like is this sort of a, a forewarning to readers that something's mm-hmm. going to happen so they say that somebody joined the justice league the so justice league's always had kind of a revolving membership mm-hmm. and sometimes the justice league can just be ridiculously large and you know even have multiple justice leagues um and so they said that somebody joined them and betrayed them like found out all their secrets and betrayed them so then the justice league made a new charter so the part of the new charter was that they would have they would keep their membership small um and so this current justice league which obviously covers all these modern um interpretations of our of our current heroes they still buy and lead by the same charter and the rules of the charter are that their membership stays tight um, they're not allowed to hang out with each other outside of the Justice League. They're not allowed. They're, they're not allowed a base. They're not, you know, all these kind of things, and they live by this really, really strict rule set, so that nobody can take them down. Um, but that's clearly what ends up happening by the end of this story. Um, it's to be honest, I I really enjoyed it. So they they show up and somebody has killed um, somebody. I won't say it. someone's killed some villain um, quite early on, and they they. Uh, they all show up together so they only meet up if it's like a big emergency so it's quite a big villain that was taken down and they're all there discussing it um and then they leave the our far sector green lantern to investigate the crime scene because she is the best detective they have which i think is quite cool because it used to be bruce wayne as batman um, mm-hmm. in the previous justice league so but, but he's far, dead apparently oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and the other members kind of go off and into their pairs, Flash and Aquaman go off and um, uh, Wonder Woman and, and Superman go off and share a hot dog on a rooftop and the Flash and Aquawoman you see back at Aquawoman's um, lighthouse. And I don't really want to say too much more here, but I, I really enjoyed the story. I probably should obviously address the artwork. Um, I mean, you know, if I'm comparing it to Batman Dark Detective, yeah, I mean, it's not as good, but um, I, I really enjoyed it. Actually, it, it actually just felt like artwork that made a really strong Justice League story, colourful. Mm-hmm. It, it was a good, it was, I think it was well illustrated um, I, and I enjoyed it. And yeah, I think I think the cover was amazing. I didn't read Dark Justice League. I don't really know much about the characters Dark the Dark Justice League. I've never I've never read Dark Justice League. Um, I know that there's got um, uh, Constantine's in there and a few others that I recognise, but I don't really know them that well. But I, I enjoyed this book for, for what it was, and I, I will read the Justice uh, the Dark Justice League at some point. But I just wanted to read mainly the main Justice League, who I really love. So I picked up the uh, Green Lantern. Um, This one is written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Tom Ranney, and colors by Mike Atier. Um, This, (laughs) when I first opened this book, I was like, oh man, this is, dang, who are these people? This is really cool. And then I realized like, oh, this is supposed to be Jon Stewart. And then I realized like in my head, the version of Jon Stewart that I always think of is the Jon Stewart from the Justice League cartoon that used to be on Cartoon Network back in the early 2000s. So it was, this is a Jon Stewart unlike any Jon Stewart I've ever seen before. Um, but again, it's they make mention that this is post DC Metal issue seven. The Green Lanterns have lost their powers. They have lost their rings and they have no battery to recharge any of their rings. 
So basically we see John Stewart and his little loyal squad of people and they're helping some aliens on some planet fight off this overwhelming force. But basically they are all kind of engaged in just a hand-to-hand combat ground war. Like they have no superhuman abilities at this point to save these people. So the bulk of the Green Lantern book is kind of John Stewart trying to keep these these really evil people at bay and trying to save this planet and its people. Um, this, this, this was weird to me because I did not enjoy the art at all, but I loved the colors. Um, I thought the coloring was great in this, in this book, but I did not enjoy the way that anything was drawn. Um, the second story in this book, now this was another book that had three stories, but it didn't have the, the price tag that, uh, the next Batman had at six ninety nine or whatever. This was a five ninety nine book. Um, so the next story is about the Green Lantern and Jessica Cruz, and I thought this was really clever. It was a take. The title of this one is called "The Taking of Sector 0123, uh, which to me was a takeoff of "The Taking of Pelham One Two Three," which was a story about a train heist um, that. The last version of that came out in 2009 with Denzel Washington and John Travolta. I love that movie. It was it was pretty fantastic. Um, anyway, so I got a kick out of the title of this one. But to watch her, like she's stuck in this old battery station by herself. She's been there by a year for about a year. Um, three members of the Sinestro Corps come over and they're trying to kind of connect their yellow lantern to this lantern to siphon off all of the information and, and take whatever they can. And so Jessica Cruz, with no powers or anything, she kind of like t- literally talks herself into stopping them from taking this information. And then by the time all is said and done, one of like she collects the ring, the yellow rings from the Sinestro Corps as she kind of takes them down. Um, and so by the very end, when she's taking down a lieutenant in the Sinestro Corps, <laughs> the one of the yellow rings is like, oh hey, by the way, like you're really good at striking fear in people, so you should totally come and join the Sinestro Corps. Uh, so it kind of ends that way as like a to be continued. Like, is she going to accept it? Is she going to turn into a yellow lantern instead of a green lantern? Um, anyway, I thought that one was really cool just because it kind of had like that alien isolation vibe where it's like one woman to save this entire station. And like, who knows what information she's trying to hold on to, but she just refuses to let the, the bad guys win. So I, I really, really enjoyed that story. And then the third story in this book is about Guy Gardner and it's called The Book of Guy. So when when the rings lose their power, Guy is on this planet and he's trying to stop a civil war from happening. So he swoops in and he's like, look here, like, stop fighting. This is ridiculous. You know, Guy Gardner has always been like the king of the jerks. He just he's such an asshole. <laughs> and like, it's always apparent in everything that he does. Um, so this one, the writer on this book is uh, Ernie Altbecker. The art is by Clayton Henry and the colors are by Marcello Maiolo. Um, so basically this book, he literally loses all of his powers right in the middle of him trying to talk these people down from the brink of civil war. So after he loses his powers, he still is like, I guess he had gotten far enough with, with the power of the ring that they were like, oh my God, this guy's a prophet. So of course, like the last thing a a jerk, like Guy Gardner needs is for someone to massage his ego. So we flash to a year later and he has now been considered a prophet. So he's a prophet for these people and they have like propped him up and he has like his own house and he's learning their language. And 
still trying to keep things going. And then we kind of flash forward to 25 years later. So whatever happened in Death Metal 7, like the Lantern have been out of commission for literally 25 years at this point. And so after 25 years, he's mastered the language. He has actually run out of things to fix. Like he has brought these people, um, it, modern things such as like indoor plumbing. So he's actually been doing a lot of, of good here. But right at the end of this issue, it's kind of like one detractor steps forward and he's like, you are not a prophet. You're a heretic, this, that, and the other. And so it's like, oh, well, now it's to be continued. But um so it was it was kind of interesting to see that side of Guy Gardner versus him just being a jerk the entire time. Um, so I, of, of all the side stories, I really, really, really enjoyed the Jessica Cruz uh, side story. But the, this Green Lantern book, again, didn't enjoy the art. I love the colors. But would I keep up with the Green Lantern story? No, I wouldn't. But I do kind of want to know what happens with this next part of the Jessica Cruz and the Sinestro and the Yellow Lantern Corps. I, I've, I've got it to read. I will. I am going to read it and uh, may let you know next week what I think. Um, <laughs> so as I, we decided not to write the books, but we just keep them that we felt that the concept of future state was actually quite a good concept and a good event, actually, as events go. Um, and we've, as an event, we've rated it as we did last week, sticking to our rating as four out of five. Um, and that kind of starts to bring us towards the end of our show. So yep. we, as we always end with a recommendation of something that we've done on our own. And two weeks ago in America, issue three of Crossover came out. However, apparently, because there's a pandemic and deliveries <laughs> and stuff are, going, are, are, are struggling, um, we didn't get it two weeks ago. So we didn't. We were never going to get our delivery in the UK over Christmas. Um, and then last week... Um, only the DC books came to America because they um, have some different arrangements. Um, uh, however, Crossover and all my other books that are not DC related came out this week. Um, and I picked up issue three of Crossover and I got the Spawn cover variant. And I wanted to get this one because I was really like wondered, was Spawn going to be in it? He was not. Um, <laughs> so, but I still love this particular cover anyway is amazing uh, i'm not going to talk too much about it um we reviewed the first issue of crossover oh, a couple of months ago and we both loved it because um it was episode it, 23 the same episode where we reviewed the queen's gambit oh which we both loved and um, uh well so, uh, that's not entirely true <laughs> <laughs> so donny cates wrote this jeff shaw illustrated this and it was colored by d Cuniff. um anyway this book is amazing. Honestly, it's a proper page turner. It, it, so if you don't know anything about crossover, it, it's where a, actually is, you know, we're referring to events, like an event in a comic book was so big that it spilled out into the real world and brought all comic book characters into the real world. And it happened, uh, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. I can't remember exactly in the comic. And then a dome went up. Uh, one of the, one of the heroes of the, um, of the new of the new comics that came into the world put up a dome so no one knows what's going on but when he put this dome up it also trapped any humans that were stuck inside it and as well as our main character's parents l so the main character is not a character that anyone knows she was created for this book um and yeah, there's again it's following the the son of the the, the sort of the um the priest as well who's extremely anti 
um, anti everything, anti well, anti everything, but and, and any any comic book related characters. Um, anyway, they sort of all team up with some different people. <laughs> it's quite funny. There's this moment where this sort of wizard guy introduces himself and um, gets referred to as Doctor Strange. And I was like, no, they didn't know that. <laughs> like, I was like, um, they, they go, you know, um, it's, yeah, the girl go, the little girl that they rescued in the first issue goes, it's Doctor Strange. And then um, Elle goes, it's not Doctor Strange. And um, and then he actually introduced himself as um, Doctor Black with a Q. Um, so, uh, and then some other characters team up who I actually don't, I've never heard of before. So I don't know if they're for this or, or um from another comic or something but they're called the paybacks anyway they're all because actually they do mention um the paybacks so I, I actually will need to google this they said the paybacks was a dark horse comic they actually say that in there and got cancelled and the characters themselves go for fucking what like, <laughs> like, like they, they, they go to the characters oh yeah you're a di- you're a dark horse comic and they went they got can- it was really good. they said it, for a while it was good for a while and then it got cancelled it was cancelled like and then they went cancelled for fucking what like, like, <laughs> uh, and, and then one of the other characters goes what what's that now about a horse like and I've, i actually do need to google this and like and then uh, literally you turn the last page and there is an actual comic book crossover um of a character i won't ruin it but it was by a character created by michael red so yeah, I was a bit taken back. Like, I was thinking, yeah, this is this is actually going to start bringing in comic book characters that we know. Um, I liked the Doctor Strange reference, but they're clearly <laughs> never going to be allowed to have Marvel no. characters or DC. Um, however, independents are clearly up for grabs. Um, my comic book guy, when I picked this up, did say that apparently issue six of Crossover is one to look out for. So... Well, we said after we reviewed it, uh, I said anyway, that I would go back and and take a look at this once it was collected as a volume. So after volume six comes out, I'll probably pick up the whole first volume of Crossover. Yeah, I think it's going to, well, I'm enjoying it, so. Yeah. So my recommendation this week, surprise, surprise, is an anime. It is a new anime that hit uh, Funimation. It is called Kimono Jihan. It is sort of like... To me, it was sort of like a mashup between Demon Slayer and Gangsta, where it's kind of like it's it's violent, but the characters, you're immediately drawn to them and you kind of fall in love with the main characters right away. Uh, it is basically about this sort of mixed hybrid race of humans mixed with all kinds of other things. And all of those things collectively are kind of called monsters, which is uh, Kimono. And... It was just, it was really intriguing. So the first episode kind of centers around this orphan kid who he thinks his parents abandoned him, but this detective comes to town and he's like, oh no, based on the talisman that you're wearing, your parents didn't abandon you. They they did what they thought was best for you. So he ends up taking this kid from this rural town back with him to Tokyo because it turns out that that guy is a half human as well. Mm. Uh, so it's it's really interesting so far. There's only been one episode. It comes out on Sundays. Um, so there's only been one episode, but I really like it and it's definitely on my watch list. So I would check it out if you're interested in any kind of like uh, demon supernatural elements to your anime, then Kimono Jihen is, uh, is my recommendation for this week. I just quickly jump back to my recommendation. I just Googled it quickly. The Paybacks is real by Dark Horse. <laughs> and, Were they canceled? And- 
Uh, I didn't I didn't check that bit, but what I was interested in, it was written by uh, Donny Cates and illustrated by Jeff Shaw. Ah. Uh, so he, uh, so I, I hadn't heard of them. So, but anyway, um, that's enough of that. So next week we'll be reviewing the first episode of Batman season two and checking out our new Batwoman. Batwoman. Uh, Bat, oh, I thought I said Batwoman. Anyway, Batwoman, Batwoman season two, episode one. Um, I've heard something. good things so far for the people that got early reviews. So I'm excited to take a look. Oh, that's good. That's good because yeah, Ruby. Yeah, every so far everyone says it is miles better than the first season, so I'm oh, okay. super excited to take a look at season two. I am too, and then we are also going to review the premiere of Walker, um, so two CW shows next week. And as a reminder, don't forget we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our fourth Late to the Party Book Club episode was Monstrous Awakening Volume 1, which is written by Marjorie Liu and drawn by Sana Takeda. That episode dropped at the beginning of January, uh, and our guest was Allie Burke, so be sure to check that out. And our next graphic novel for the month of February is going to be March Volume 1 by Andrew Iden and John Lewis. You can also follow Geeks of Niche on social media. We're Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And um, and also, you wanted to shout out this week about our own personal Twitters. So I am just Mark Brassington. Um, <laughs> that is just Mark Brassington, the at symbol Mark. And then the Brassington is B-R-A-S-S-I-N-G-T-O-N. And yourself? I am at Fiore Bianca. Um, I am not on Facebook, but you can find me on Twitter or Instagram. So... And you can listen to our. Oh, sorry, that was your bit. (laughs) (laughs) You can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcast Google, Apple, Spotify, Podbean. We are everywhere. So be sure to leave us a five star review and tell your geeky friends. Thank you very much. Cheers for listening, guys. Have a good week. Thanks. Bye.